in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Bad With Money, a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. I'm Gabe S. Dunn. I am so excited for this episode because I feel like we've been let out of our cage and we're doing just fine. There is the writer's strike has ended and we have gotten a fair deal and thus 
I am now free to talk a bit more about my debut feature film, which I wrote and am directing. And it is called You and I, You and Me. And for longtime fans of the show, Melissa Motts, our producer for Bad With Money, is also producing this movie. And we are joined today also by our cinematographer, Gabriel Karnick. So Gabriel goes by Gabriel. I go by Gabe. It's confusing. And and I usually call you Gabriel. So I know there's a, a he him Gabriel and a she her Gabriel. And so, yes, first of all, thank you both for being here. We're going to talk about what it takes, like what it's like making this movie, what it's going to take to make the movie and then how you can help make the movie and just general like movie making money stuff. So, Melissa, do you want to introduce yourself and explain who you are? If this is someone's first time listening. This is your first time listening. My name is Melissa D. Mons. I'm the producer of this show, and also I'm producing this film. And (laughs) Gabe and I have known each other for a while and have worked with each other on various projects. And I was drawn to this. Gabe actually sent me the script and an earlier draft of the script, and I really liked it. And I, I think I shared some thoughts on it. And then when... They were like, I'm going to make this. I said, I want to produce. And you said, okay, we're doing Yeah, it, so. I mean, look, Here I think is. you and I are both people who are like, you don't ask, you don't get. And so you were like, I'd like to produce mm-hmm. a movie. And I was like, oh, oh, amazing. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And so I've produced a lot of podcasts and also produced a, a series back in the day called Mr. Student by Your President that had four seasons. So, you know, it's not like I haven't produced a project before. So I just haven't done a feature. And so I'm excited. Gabriel, do you want to introduce who you are and also maybe say your dog's name? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. My name is Gabriel Kernick. I am the cinematographer for this film. Me and Gabe actually worked together years ago on a web series with Alexis Gizal. And then he reached out to me with the script and it's absolutely amazing. It's so funny. And it's a great little indie piece. And then this is my dog. Her name is Hannah. Her name is Lady Hannah. Lady. Oh, sorry. Lady Hannah. Yeah, she's a lady. She's 11 and has a lot of feelings. Like she won't lay on the ground without a cushion and she'll tell you about it. And yeah, I've shot a few features and I've shot a bunch of shorts and music videos and narrative and documentary. And I'm very excited. Okay. So... Basically, this movie is going to be completely indie. I'll start with saying what it's about. So I wrote it because I had a meeting with an actor and I wanted to take something that was a tried and true narrative and turn it into something that could be very queer and trans. And I'm a trans guy. And initially I was nervous to write a trans guy lead because it felt very vulnerable. And so it took some actually prodding from trans friends of mine who read the script in order to make the main character a trans guy. And I think that there's a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of, you know, it feels very vulnerable to put to put yourself on screen like that. So, you no, know, he's not me, obviously, but just, you know, the the I realized that the representation with T for T love stories, which is trans for trans, which is two trans people in a relationship uh, is kind of non-existent. And so I really wanted to do that. And that's how this came about. So it's a trans woman and a trans man musicians. They fall in love over writing her a comeback hit. She's 
a disgraced former pop star. And he is the record label CEO's son who was a punk rocker and got into all kinds of trouble with drugs. And they're both trying to prove themselves in the industry. And while they're doing that, they fall in love and it's sexy and hot and there's music and it's awesome. It takes place mostly in a recording studio. So we have the benefit of there being like three locations, really three or or four locations, not a lot of actors. And I think like to me, looking at it now, I think it'll be really contingent on the performances from the actors and also like creating the mood of the space and like the recording studios look. So I'm pretty excited. I've directed music videos. I've directed shorts. I had a short called Grinder Baby that was in all the queer film festivals in 2022. 2022? Yeah, 2022. That was super fun. You know, I made that on a really low budget too. So pretty scrappy. In terms of financing, well, okay. so in terms of making a budget for a movie, when you look at like a script, Gabriel, what are you thinking about? I think the biggest thing I noticed first is day. Is it interior, exterior? Is it day? Is it night? The cheapest way to film anything is day exterior in the indie world. And the most expensive way to film anything is night exterior. So everything in between is a sliding scale. So the second most the second least expensive is day interior. The Second most expensive is day night interior and the most expensive is night exterior. So I'm really just like going through and seeing first location number, how many locations are there? Then I'm thinking of day and nights interior, exterior. Then I'm thinking about like, is there car stuff? And then I'm thinking about specialty equipment. Do we require Steadicam? Do we require techno cranes? Do we need jibs? Do we need drones? That kind of stuff. So mostly I'm 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 being mindful of I, I usually start with every deadly script to do a location count as I go because normally I'll get a script and a budget from a team and I can tell a lot if the location number is like 70 and the budget is really low I know that this isn't going to happen however if the location number is really low and the budget's like to match that it's it's a super plausible it's working within the realm of reality so that's like usually a really good sign and then it's also like I had a, a really fun, campy horror movie a couple of years ago, fantastic concept, because of what they wanted to get away with, with the cars and with the stunts and with the the creature feature stuff. They just weren't, it just wasn't doable. So I reached out to them and I was like, I, I adore, like it was a fantastic script, but it was just like not plausible. So I'm really being mindful of what the ballpark number is for what we need to get a, to get away with and what that would mean for us from my side, from what I know. So it's usually like, is this, what scale are we at on this? And is it doable? Yeah, I think a big thing for me as a writer is this mix of reality and delusion. As a writer director, I wrote it with money in mind. So I wrote it to take place indoors. I wrote it to have three locations. I wrote it to have very minimal actors and to focus on these two actors and their chemistry together and and their stories and their three-dimensional feelings and, and complications and transness and all that stuff. And then I didn't, you know, I wasn't writing in car chases. I wasn't writing in, you know, running across a roof. So I think a big part of it when you are making an indie movie and I want to say for budget, right, something that was really jarring for me when I first started getting into filmmaking is that when you say low budget, a lot of times people mean one million or two million or three million dollar movies. And that's and that's considered a low budget. For for me and this being completely independent right now and being o- almost entirely right now funded by interested parties and the limited crowdfunding that we did thus far with you guys, the fans, beca- before we had to stop because of the writer's strike, because of that, 
our budget is like, you know, around the 300K range. And that is considered extremely low budget for a feature film. But for us, that is a way to be able to pay people what they are owed to pay people fairly for their work and to be able to get the best possible look and best possible feel for the movie. So it's it's funny what sounds like a lot versus what sounds like not a lot in filmmaking. I think in terms of scrappiness, you know, the the big obvious one is is reading, you know, Rebel Without a Crew by Robert Rodriguez and the ways in which that when you're making something, especially something that I want to say a lot of indie films come up against, you know, money, but especially something that is queer, trans, that the entire cast and crew are like queer people of color. Like there's no, there's maybe one, there's one role that's for, that's like a white cis guy, I think is playing. And that, and then everyone else involved in the movie is some form of marginalized person. So especially for that type of thing, you know, that's not going to have studio backing, but it is the type of thing that I think there is a huge audience that will come to see it, that will want to see it made, that will donate whatever little money they have. And a really wonderful thing that happened in the wake of first promoting this movie is that a lot of you wrote in and volunteered, volunteered your time, volunteered your services, not not just volunteered, but asked, you know, what are ways that I can do this for a price that makes sense for you guys? And so that was like incredibly moving. I wasn't really expecting that. So I think a lot of it is is people that are just committed to making the work, which is kind of unfortunate because it is largely like, you know, people who are on the fringes of society. But for you, Melissa, like what kind of stuff are you interested in, like working on in terms of film? I don't want to be like, what did you like about this movie? Because it's my movie. But you know what I mean? I will say like as as a producer, what I'm looking for budget wise is I want that I want you to get everything that you want. And it's it's cool, like going into it, knowing that you you're like, you know, we we had like this idea for a budget before. And you're like, actually, I think we can do this for less. And that's kind of wild for a director to say. (laughs) And so I thought I thought that was interesting. What I liked about this was one, I you know, I just believe in you. And so that was something that that was what drew me to it initially because like I said I I read a very early version of the script it changed a lot like after I read that initial version and I liked it and then when I read the new one I was like this is even better and I was just like let I I want to be a part of this in any way and I I think I I, the first thing I said was what do you need from me (laughs) because I will help get this made and then a little bit after that I was like I'd like to produce it if that's cool what I liked about it is that at the end of the day, this is a love story. Like it's a love story and and it's simple. And I think it's very clear what this is like on the page. And I, I like that. I love rom-coms or romantic stories and I, I love dramas. I'm a soap opera fan, which surprises people when I initially tell them that, but I I love watching soap operas. Soap operas, you can do anything with them from having aliens and twins and people die and come back to life. And so I just, I, I, that's 
at the end of the day, like that's kind of that's where I want to be in the world is like working on soap operas. But the feature films that I've written have been like love stories and this or even anti love stories. But it's still like love is the center of what the story is. It is like great that everyone involved in this is an underrepresented person in entertainment. And it is also this funny thing where like the people that have read it that or the people that have wanted to work on it that really believe in it are, like I said, the people that are like, I believe in this because of some part of myself versus what are some things that this money would go towards that you wouldn't think? Mm, crafty. crafty? Yeah, I think people oh, well, yeah, you got to get everyone lunch. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's lunch and then there's yeah. catering yeah. and crafty, two separate things. <laughs> yeah, location, locations, parking, location, transpo, yes, parking, permits, mm-hmm. insurance, payroll. Yeah, so I, I when I went to the film independent forum, I met with payroll people, and I mean, there's so much, right? Like, I'm, you're like opening a company. So let's start at the beginning. The big thing is when you start making a movie. I opened an LLC and a bank account. For and I got a credit card for you and I, you and me film. That's the LLC. Then from there, that's how you pay people so that you don't get hammered with taxes. And that's how you pay people so that everyone is paid through one entity. So again, like I'm a creative. I didn't go to school for business. I didn't go to school for math. So like, it's funny how much of this does have to do with business. So you have to have a payroll company that you're running things through. They take a percentage. You have to have permits to shoot places. You can't just run up and shoot. Although sometimes people do. I've seen it. In order to, we've we've gone out and location scouted multiple studios. We need to make sure that the studio has room for the crew to hang out and, and set up. That it has parking. That it has the rooms that we need for the shots that we need. You know, there was one studio that was in our price range, but it didn't have glass between the recording area and the control room. And that would have been a problem for sound. Like all these little things that you're weighing, like how much money is it worth spending on this extra thing in order to make this thing easier versus how much like, okay, we want a place with parking. This place will be more expensive, but does it, does it make sense to do this lesser, this place that doesn't have parking, but it'll make up for it in the cost of this not being as high. So it's like, constant juggling of like math and budget in a way that, you know, they tell you go to screenwriting school, which I also didn't do. And then they don't say like, hey, what about business? Or how do you how do you do math and stuff? So there's people that do that. That's like a line producer who is not ours is not joining us right now. But yeah, like it's it's all this stuff that you wouldn't normally think about even going through the the budget that we had made, you know, it hadn't occurred to me money to, for someone to make a poster, money for you know, social media assets, publicity, money to apply to film festivals, uh, even like, you know, what it costs to fill out grant forms or the time it takes to, to try to get grants. Managing my finances is incredibly stressful and time consuming. I'm sure you guys know you've been with me on this journey. You know how many finance apps I've tried. You know how much they haven't worked for me. And I'm always on the hunt for a finance app that fits my life. And then I tried Monarch. It is so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I really value an app that allows me to do all of this without confusion. And especially important to me is intuitive design and the ability to personalize because clearly finance is not one size fits all. 
Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top-rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget, and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it so easy to help you reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Have you been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, rarely updated? So was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful and ad-free and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Experience a personal finance app that prioritizes the user experience above all else. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Plus, there's ad-free privacy you can trust. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. You guys know that I have had allergies for forever. I've had seasonal allergies since I was a kid. It causes pressure in my face, under my eyes. They're my ultimate handbrake. When my nose is plugged up, I feel like I can't do anything. I can't enjoy food because I can't taste it. I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. And listen, I am already dealing with vocal strain from testosterone and my voice dropping. I don't need any more problems with allergies. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I've been taking Claritin D for allergies like probably for the last 10 years or something, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go outside without my eyes watering like a fountain. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped in my throat. I get really embarrassed when I'm sneezing all the time. I have like an itchy nose or throat, like ugh, like just the, the itchiness in the back of your sinuses is like so distracting and so annoying. And I get like pressure in my ears too. It's really painful. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a new candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 
93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. It would be so much easier if I was looking for someone to help me with sweetening audio or let's say someone to run my merch shop or all the little things that go into running a podcast. Usually something like that would be so slow and overwhelming. And honestly, I wish I had used Indeed and I will use Indeed in the future. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What are some roles on a set that people wouldn't necessarily think of? Like people see credits and they're like, what's a gaffer? DIT especially. Gaffer is the person in charge of lighting on set and their counterpart is the key grip who's in charge of shape and the light and safety. But I think a a big one that indie films don't ever quantify or, or calculate is a digital imaging technician. That's the person in charge of loading and recording the media. A lot of times on indie films, they'll try to give that job to the second or first AC. The problem with that is that means that only one person is handling the entirety of the footage, which I have seen so many times normally there's three people watching the footage. There's the the first AC, the script supervisor, and the digital imaging technician. And what happens on indie films sometimes is that you'll have, they'll be like, well, we don't need a scripty because we don't have money. And then they'll be like, well, we don't need a DIT because we don't have money. And then they're like, well, we don't have a second AC because we don't have money. Or we'll just have the second AC or the first AC also copy footage, which means that there's only one person touching the footage all the time instead of three people checking to make sure that you didn't drop a card and like people are running so quickly and that first AC or second AC is doing two or three people's jobs. So you are like lining yourself up to lose footage. Like you are set and yeah. And it happens all the time and people get really mad at first ACs, second ACs on one feature I shot, Sarah, our, our line producer on this was the one copying footage. Cause we didn't have a DIT and that is as the line producer. Well, she was just the producer. There was, yeah, she was just the producer. It was so dangerous. And it was just like, when you're cutting, a lot of productions will attempt to step over a dollar to save pennies. And that's one of the things is cutting ACs, cutting the DIT, because people are like, well, we don't really need that job. It's just like, no, no, you do. Because it's also like, if a card is corrupt, we won't know. An AC wouldn't know. The operator wouldn't know. Nobody would know. Uh, The only person checking that footage is DIT. Can you explain what what an AC is? Oh, yeah. Sorry. So an AC is an assistant camera. So the, my department has three separate departments under it. We have lighting, we have shaping and supporting lighting and safety, and then we have camera. So in the camera department, the head of the camera tar- department is somebody called a first assistant camera. They're in charge of hiring and they're in charge of equipment. They're making sure that the camera's ready, that the settings are ready, the camera is where it needs to go. We have all the equipment we need. They're working with like rental house companies to make sure that we haven't dropped anything that's going to be super necessary underneath them. And they're also pulling focus. Underneath the second, uh, the first assistant camera is the second assistant camera. So they're in charge of the camera log. So they record the height, the angle, the lens, the filters, all that stuff to keep track in case we have to match the shot that we had somewhere in the scene or if we have to come back for pickups, we can know exactly how we shot it, where we shot it, what the angle was to match or replace. And they're also in charge of the slate. 
And that's just because they're helping information, which means they work with the script supervisor and sound to make sure all the data is working. They also time the shots unless the script supervisor is doing that. And then underneath them is the digital imaging technician who the first AC will give a card. Once we shoot in a card, the first AC will pull the card from the camera. They will hand that card to the second AC. Nobody ever has two cards in their hands at once. If the system is working the way it's supposed to, that way you never slip cards because it's terrifying. And then the second AC will take the card to the digital imaging technician. That person will load the card, check the footage, make sure the card's not corrupt, copy it, put it to the side, back it up, and then return the card. Or and then return the card when it has been checked. They'll put it through a program called Chopper, which will tell them if the card is in any way corrupted that we can't see. And that's the camera department. And also in the camera department, sometimes you have a camera operator, unless the DP is doing that. The camera department, the camera operator is the camera department princess. That's what they call them because it is, some people think it's the head of the camera department, but it's not. It is the funnest job and has the least responsibility. Like it is, a, it's a very responsible job. You need to be really good at it to be a good camera operator. But like the first AC is doing all the logistics. Camera operators don't do logistics unless you do TV and then they are like doing a ton of stuff. But yeah, normally they're, they're, they're incredible. Like you'll get a great operator, but like all they do is like keep a Bluetooth in their ear and like don't have their walkie in and operate and it looks beautiful. And then they like, they show up at shooting call and they leave when the cameras are up and they'll be like, peace. So like, it's a really great job, but it is, it is not the head of the camera department. But yeah, that's the whole camera team. So I think people don't realize, too, how long things take. Like, you know, you're looking at a scene and there's certain scenes where we've we've gone over shot listing and we've said, OK, this is going to take two days to do. So can you explain either one of you, can you explain a little bit about like what people are not understanding about how long things take? There's a lot of things that go into shooting, not like. Gabriel just explained everything with camera. There's also like, for example, something that I feel like gets overlooked a lot are like the vanity departments with hair and makeup because people are always rushing them and think that like that should only take like five minutes when it doesn't. (laughs) It takes a lot more time, especially on this. We're going to have to do like tattoos. Correct. And so that's going to take time. And then we've also like the script. The scripty is going to have to like check and make sure that things are all matching and that it's correct and it lines up to what we were filming the day before. So the scripty is a person that is there making sure that, you know, if it depends, sometimes like directors are okay if things aren't or writers, directors and writers are okay if things aren't exactly how they are on page, but making sure like words aren't dropped and that or even like that plant is in the exact same place it was in the last scene. You know, that that takes time. And even like if we've got a hold for sound or there's things coming through and making sure that people aren't working longer than they should. And so there's, you know, there's there's a lot of moving parts. And there's also a lot of where it seems like people are sitting around doing nothing, but there might be things that another department is doing during that time that we have to wait for. Right, yeah. And I, you know, you said that I'm, It's funny to have a director want to cut the budget, but I do think I do think that. Like, realistically, people don't understand how much goes into this kind of thing. And if if everybody is doing their jobs, you don't notice. Right. If a if a plant is turned incorrectly, you'll be like, "Ooh, a blooper. But like or a goof, whatever. If everyone is firing on all cylinders, there wouldn't be anything for you to pick up on. So you might think, oh, filmmaking is easy. 
but it's because there are so many people that are working seamlessly to have everything work out the way that it needs to. And a lot of that stuff costs money. And so I think it's it's a matter of also making sure that these people are getting compensated fairly because that's the way that these movies and TV shows that you love come together is that, you know, the actors and the below the line crew are getting paid fairly because you saw a lot of this with the strike where they were like, well, well, why does this, you know, lighting tech need to be, you know, given enough days off or time or whatever or, or benefits or anything? And it's like because they're working that you don't think that they're doing anything, but they it, that you don't think that they're doing anything because you're not noticing weird lighting because you're just sitting at home watching your Netflix show because they're doing a good job. Right. And I was going to say one of the most overlooked jobs that people think is so easy is production assistant because that's like an entry level job. But I don't know about y'all, but I've been on sets where there's a production assistant or multiple that aren't good. And it's not a good time because production assistants are the first ones there, the first ones out. They kind of set the tone. Usually they're the person that that's kind of like welcoming people on set, letting them know where they need to go, where they need to be working underneath the first AD. And it's just like, they're like, it is an entry level job, but you have to be like on it and in the places that you're supposed to be on your walkie constantly running around some if you're like working on a set where there's a lot of shitty people it's often a thankless job but they are like the heart of the set hey guys gabe dunn here I just wanted to let you guys know that I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn. And on that Patreon, I'm going to start doing live hangs with everyone who is a patron. So if you want to join the Patreon, you can get all these episodes ad free, videos of our mailbag episodes, extra writing from me, blogs, fiction, other stuff, things that I'm thinking about with regards to money and personal stories. And also now live hangs with me on Zoom once a month. So join the Patreon. And if you're not a member of the Discord, hop on over to the Discord. That's free. The link will be in the description. It's so fun. So many of you guys talk over there. It's like truly popping off. Um, And if you're on the Discord, I would love to see you in the live hang. So I get to put a face to a name. So yeah, please join patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn and come hang out with me. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Everything is more expensive these days when you're running a business, and you would be wise to find proven ways to cut costs and boost performance at the same time. The fact that you are able to reduce your IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud is incredible, and the ability to access your cloud financial system from anywhere saves you so much time and stress. 
By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone. Chime members are not and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Do you want to say what an AD is? Assistant director, that is the person that is mostly like keeping timing on set, making sure that everything's being done in a timely manner, making sure that the department heads have what they need. They're kind of like, I would say like they're the, they're like the, the conductor of the crew. Yeah. And they're, they're in charge of safety. That's why you need insurance. Yes. <laughs> they also direct the background <laughs> actors too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have like a million. Yeah, I've been on sets with bad PAs and it's a nightmare. Like good PAs are like the heroes on set. And yeah, they get like, I was a PA for a while. I think everybody's been a PA for a minute. And it's just like, it is, yeah, it is a, it's good because you'll like become a go-getter. Like it forces you to be always paying attention, always watching, always being on your game. But it is like the, every job you do after production assistant will be easier. I was shooting a a short for a while, uh, a while back and I asked my sister, who is a fantastic bar manager and not a fantastic PA. So I asked her to PA the shoot and she texted me at like six in the morning and was like, who do I give my coffee order to? And I was like, you, bitch, everyone gives it to you. And she was like, oh, damn. (laughs) You're the one checking. PAs are the ones checking. Who are you hungry? Letting people know if somebody's going to the bathroom and stuff. So but also a, a lot of on your feet, other important stuff that isn't just getting people coffee. But I know that's the stereotype. But yeah. So for this, where we've been at is we've secured a most cast letters of intent. Can't really talk about that because of SAG. 
but I'm so excited about it. I'm like, I want to tell you so fucking badly. It's making me insane. And then Gabriel and I are go- have gone through. We've gone through the script and shot listed and figured out, which means figuring out what each shot is going to be and what shots we need for each scene and how long it might take to do that. So we're doing that while we wait for SAG to get a fair deal. And then also location scouting. And then also like looking at what kind of favors you know, asking friends of mine who are doctors if they know a doctor's office we can shoot in or asking people if they know of grants or if they know of different places that might be willing to give money. Again, like I said, the first week push that we did with you guys where we were able to talk about the film and and you guys were able to contribute, we're doing we were on a really big role and you guys were 100 percent the heart of that. And then a very cool thing that hopefully we'll be able to announce by the time this comes out is that we got approved for the film independent fiscal sponsorship, which means now our film is up on the film independent site and anyone who donates to help us make the film, uh, it's tax deductible. So you can make larger donations, can ask your rich parents to make larger donations, and they'll be tax deductible for you in a way that they they weren't prior. So and also a lot of crowdfunding sites, it's not tax deductible. It's not tax deductible. So this one is. So that's a really big boon for us. And it was really cool to get accepted to that. So that is an agreement that between an existing 501c3 nonprofit organization, which is what Film Independent is, and then an entity, which is what our LLC is, lacking the legal status needed to receive grants from foundations or individual donors or government agencies. So us doing that allows us, like being approved for that allows us to open where we're getting donations and funding and grants from as well. Yeah. And there's all kinds of interesting grants, like different cities have grants. There's different like tax things for different cities. There's LGBTQ grants. There's, you know, it's it's cobbling together a bunch of stuff because we I don't have rich parents. It's been interesting talking to other filmmakers and, you know, talking to people about how scrappy they've been and the ways that they may be able to come up with money. And then I've really been very, I admire the people I've spoken to who I said, where did you get the money for your first film? And they've said, my parents. (laughs) I actually admire that. I think that that's the sort of transparency that would go a long way in the film industry. And that I don't judge people who have had that experience because I'm like, good for you. Like, and don't pretend like that isn't the situation. So it's been interesting. And it's really actually helped me feel better about my imposter syndrome uh, to have people who have made films that did really well tell me, oh, my parents gave me $100,000, which, wow, what is that like? But also that explains to me, okay, you're not better than me or you're not a better filmmaker or you don't have some special sauce that I don't have. I have, and I and I love, thank you for saying that you believe in me. I don't have that resource, but I have access to the knowledge and the the very strong belief that the trans community wants to see trans stories that aren't about trauma, that wants to see trans stories that are love stories, that wants to see T for T couples represented, that wants to see uh, trans people in romantic movies that don't have to do with being trans, that, you know, there's a world in which a set has mostly queer and marginalized people on it. Like, like, I gotta believe in that reality, which I think, like, the kids now call that Delulu. I got to believe in that reality and I got to, I have had 
really amazing conversations with fans and people that are interested in contributing to the movie that also believe that way. And so if it has to be done independently, it has to be done independently, but I'm going to do it. And the thing is, is that I could sit here and not do it and then be like, why doesn't this trans representation exist? Or I could just be like, well, we're going to move forward and we're going to do it. As people who have listened to this podcast know, I'm not in a great financial spot right now. I I don't I'm like personally not thriving, but I believe in this movie and all the money that we've raised is in is in an account for the film that everyone has access to. It's to pay the people from the film. I've said many times I do not have access to that privately. And so I believe in this movie and I I believe in like the indie filmmakers of yore that I've seen say the ways in which they believed in their movies and they got them done. I I remember Jeremy Solnier, who did Blue Ruin and Green Room, which are two great movies. They asked him how he did Green Room and he said he took out a second mortgage on his house. And you think of that person as like an incredible filmmaker and you're like, surely people are just throwing money at him. But it's like, no, he wants to do the things he believes in. And if you believe in that, and this is like, again, so cheesy. And I'm sorry if you came here and you were like, thought that I was some sort of practical person. <laughs> Whoever thought that? I don't know. But it's like, I am very practical in terms of the way I wrote the movie and the way that I made sure that everything was doable and the way that I'm very open to things being less expensive and things changing in order to be less expensive and to make the most of our money. But I also am like, gosh, darn it. Like, I could sit here and not make a movie or I could sit here and make a movie. There's never going to be a good time. There's almost never a good time for indie filmmaking. But that's how I've seen so many amazing things get made. I've seen Mutt get made. I've seen, you know, Monica. I've seen like so many amazing things get made lately. And Kokomo City, just so many amazing things. You know, the the difference is you just got to do it. And I think the the le- the running leap is that people understand film and they want to contribute or people go, I just want to see trans people kiss on screen. And, and, and that's, you know, post strike, I've spoken to a lot of trans people about how I think that the mainstream studios are going to be a little bit more reticent about queer and trans stories because they want broad appeal. They want global stuff. They want things that will sell in China. If you all recall, there was a, one of the Star Wars movies was not able to be aired or they cut a queer kiss from the, like the background. You know what I mean? Like we're not we're not in a place where they're going to be air, they're going to be putting this T for T love story in cinemas across, you know, the world. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe everything will change by the time it comes out. I don't know. But I'm just saying that like that the these stories are going to have to come from the indie space now if we want to see them. And we're going to have to put our money where our mouth is because the studios aren't really going to. And that might actually be a it might be a barrier. It also might be a catalyst for better art. And again, that's me stepping into my Delulu artist mind. I don't think it's delusional. I tell my students a phrase when I was teaching. It's a phrase that I think I came up with, but I like it. You have to have the unquestionable faith of a successful person. Wow. I I love that. Yeah. And it's just like you have to go in knowing that you will succeed because even if this movie fails, you as a filmmaker will succeed. This movie won't fail. But like you have to go into every day and every project as with unquestionable faith in yourself and your success because you will. You will succeed. Like you'll find people to succeed with and you will succeed. And one thing I love about you, Gabriel, is that you're like, we were just like, let's pick it. Let's pick a, a, a shooting schedule. And then it was like, 
we're going to do it. We're just going to do it. And, and like, everything's going to, I mean, this is incredibly doable. It's happening, but it's just like, you know, everything is, is I just have to believe that like people will hear this and, and come through and be interested. And even if you're someone who's never been interested in filmmaking, a lot of people have had some, like, it's been very interesting. People who have money who are like, I've never thought about investing in a movie or I've never thought about giving money to movie. But now this is sort of an interesting thing for me. Like I remember one, one person that gave us some money, I think mostly just is like, I want to have my name in the credits of something. And that's fun. That's fun. And like, I think, I think that that's where like the average person, and I say average person to me, not studio execs or not, you know, like, I think the average person has a stake and an interest in creating things that they want to see or things that they feel like it's important for them to be a part of. I want my name on this because I believe in this type of movie. And I think that's going to be really powerful coming forward, especially post strike where we could be very hopeless, but instead maybe we're going to be in a renaissance of really amazing queer indie film, which would be very cool. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think that's the future because it just like if you think about like everything everywhere all at once was screened, I think only in like a couple theaters over all of Europe because they didn't believe that it. the studios didn't believe it would make its money back because it's Asian leads. Mm-hmm. So like they didn't they only screened in enough theaters in Europe to get it interested, like get into like BAFTA and stuff. Right. But they like really they didn't screen in Poland. They don't screen a lot of movies because the studios don't really have faith in people, but indie films do. Indie films, like we exist entirely on the faith of like the general public. So it's just like we can make more creative, more expressive art because like we are the people like it's it's a very like sort of anti big government, not big government. I'm a socialist anti like big studio kind of kind of mentality of being like all the studios are like, I don't have faith. Like we have very few queer stuff happening. Like they seem to be cutting more and more queer content. And it's just like the place where you can find that like is going to be the indie world. I feel like everybody's sort of moving in that direction because it's it's kind of general knowledge. Like Barbie is, is feminism alone, and I love it. I absolutely love it. But like the studios take the wrong message from success. I had that conversation with somebody before too. Yeah, and it's so like indie films, like A24 will take the right message from the success of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Like indie indie studios and indie filmmakers will take the right message from like indie film success. Being like, oh, we can go further. <laughs> yeah. And I and I think that's what people want. And that's been really cool to see. And there's always been, I want to say, I want to also say that trans filmmakers have always been here. Always. And they've existed through being trendy or not being trendy. And they've existed making things for $500, $50,000, doing things on the weekend, finishing things as passion projects that has there have been there has been a a beautiful history of that. 
one thing about never being rich, never having been rich and never having rich parents and never having had money is that not having money feels very normal. Doing things on a small budget feels very normal. Doing things for less and making the most of it. I live there, baby. Absolutely. We aren't limited by the necessity of having the best of everything. No. Like how much can you want to tell people how much cameras cost? The Ari Alexa Mini, which is one of the most used cameras in film, indie film and union film alike, is $60,000 for the body. That's what we're dealing with, folks. (laughs) Yeah. And like some people buy them. I don't. I don't buy cameras because I don't have money mostly. But also I don't want to limit myself to like one sensor forever. And you will never make your money back if you buy them. So set of lenses, you're looking at 40 grand you're getting a set of lenses, everything. And that's the cameras. That's not the accessories. That's not a good tripod is three grand. Yeah. So when we're renting, we're obviously renting for a lot less, but that's why why people rent. They don't buy like, but it's like, it's still the rental prices are really high. And then you're dealing with like, you have to go with like what places have available, what deals they can make you. I've been really lucky to work with a lot of houses in LA, like Kessel and stuff that cut incredible deals with a lot of young filmmakers, especially young female filmmakers, which is fantastic. But that's also based on what do they have available because like Mulan is also renting there. So it's just like, if they want it, and we want it, they get it, which is totally valid. We don't have the money. Or like fun ton cuts deals. Like there's tons of houses all across this country that will cut people deals because they want to make good indie films. They want to make good art. Like everybody wants to work on stuff like this. We get to, which is awesome. We just have to figure out how. And But we can. That's, a, that's doable. But yeah, realistically, like movies, when they say low budget, they mean 10 million or less. When we say low budget, we mean 300, 350. Like... We're in different spaces. The average cost of editing like a, an hour long or hour and a half long film, the cheapest editors are like 10K, 9K, like for a good editor. And like sound design, if sound design is bad, your movie dies. If you and you don't, the only person that knows if sound is working is the sound person. So it's like you can't, you can't skimp on a good sound person. And like the greatest sound design in the world, you don't even hear the ambience of yeah it just you're just in 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 the film and you don't even notice it but but when it's bad you do right and it's like it's overwhelming like if you think about the movie bird demic one of the biggest failures of that movie and or successes because the movie was so bad it was good is the fact that you can hear when the camera's cutting there's no there's no continuous audio they don't loop audio at all like we just and there's also seconds between that the audio because the audio was like they didn't really master it in post they didn't have a good sound designer so it's just like yeah, those those people cost money. Their equipment costs money. And I was going to say, like, on top of that, too, like, Gabe, as a writer-director and me as a producer, we're not budgeted for to, for our work at this point. I'm not taking any money. And so, like, the only way that we'll, like, the the film itself are a is like a reflection of the work that we put in. And it's something, you know, that will help us in the future for future things that we want to get made. But the only way that we'll make money is if we like sell this. <laughs> so which is what can happen afterwards when it comes. We could do a whole nother episode about distribution, which we which would fill an entire episode after the film is finished with what happens next. But yeah, me and I, that's a good point, Melissa. Yeah, we are not taking like a salary from this. This is like a job, but it's also, it's just, I don't know. I'm, I believe in stuff, which again is so 
woo-woo? Has it served me in this industry? I don't know. Because I think I see a lot of people who are like, why would I do something I wasn't getting paid for? And I can't help it. I simply must create. It is a curse. I was talking to you guys right before this about a job that I had heard of that would have given me a much better life. And yet here I am suffering. But yeah, I think it'll be honestly, I think it will be fun. My big thing is to believe in people, believe in people helping, accept the help, which is hard for me. And to also in the moment be having fun and not be so not make it a miserable experience. I think that it's a it's a gift to be able to make stuff for people. So that's that's my present to you all. <laughs> we'll probably do two more parts, maybe. But is there any final thoughts on getting started on movies or what people don't know or something? Because for me, one of the biggest things was I said to my boyfriend, a low budget movie is usually like a low, low budget would be like three billion. And he was like, for a movie. So I'm I'm assuming our audience has that level of knowledge. Yeah, go things that we they always told us when you're writing like your first script, go deep, not wide, limit your locations to five or less day exteriors are your cheapest scenes. Don't do night exteriors. Don't have animals. Don't have kids. Write your script with the like, write what you know and write with scripts with the means that you have. Do what do you have access? Don't write car scenes. Stop doing yeah. car scenes. Even retro, Don't even retrofitting. You know? I talked to someone last night who was like stuck in her parents like farmhouse thing during the pandemic and was like, let's make a movie with the four people we have and the farmhouse as a setting. And then they retrofitted a script for that. That's a great idea. Or, you know, there's a car that dies in the beginning of our script. And I was talking to a guy who's helping me slash the budget. And he was like, well, do you need to see the car or can we just see the the fumes from the car and get the sound effect? If we do need to see the car, does it need to be on wheels because we could get a junker car and it, we could shoot it so you don't see that it doesn't have wheels? And I was like, this is the type of thinking I'm looking for. Right, right. Yeah, if you could get it dropped out by AAA. Exactly. A broken car, please. If you have a broken car in Los Angeles, let me know. It's also like, um... oh crap, I had something and it's it's gone. Don't worry about it. I was going to say um, a film is is also like made or broken by the people that you surround yourself with. And so um, I made a rule years ago not to work with assholes anymore because it's just miserable. Um, even like if you're like in somewhere and like your location gets taken away at the last time, if you're working with people that understand what you're like that this is, it could be like part of, this is part of the process of filmmaking, then they're not gonna be assholes about it. And you also like surround yourself with people that treat everyone with respect, not because of somebody's title. Like they just are just genuinely good people. So, um, and then also like, if you don't know something, ask somebody because the answer's out there. Don't pretend this is not like a fake it to you make it type situation. Ask people. There are people out there that want to help you. So just ask yeah. people. Especially if you're starting in genie because yes. that's like a dangerous. People like think that. Yeah. Yeah. Always ask. It's not people are people want to teach you. People want to tell you. This is an industry mm -hmm. where we love telling each other stuff. We're like, you don't know how to wrap yes. this cable? Oh, my God, let me show you. Like, we're like, we're thrilled I, the, to show mm, you. The first, yeah, I will say the first, like, uh, short film I was working on as a PA, they're like, wrap this cable. And I was like, I, I'm just like, 
Lupin. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. It was, I was like following somebody <laughs> and somebody's like, you don't know how, how to wrap the cable. And I thought I was about to get in trouble. And I was like, I mean, it's wrapping a cable. And they're like, no, this is how, and like, they just like sat with me and showed me how to properly people do want, it. This is like a teaching industry. We want to help people. Mm-hmm. We want to look out for people. Yeah. Like the, I learned that trick when I used to be in Genie because I came up through Genie. If I had a gaffer or key grip, especially because I think I'm mm-hmm. a woman. So if I had a gaffer or key grip, that was like an asshole. I know I just go to him and ask him a dumb question. I know the answer to and that. They will talk to me for 30 yeah. minutes and then they will love me because I asked a question and they knew the answer mm-hmm. and they were thrilled to teach me something. People want to teach people stuff it's like a oh yeah. what i was gonna say is there's no crash and crash the movie crash because of the budget there is no physical crash oh. in that movie. the climax there's no crash they couldn't afford it they cut away we, we oh, cut around interesting. the physical crash not not the crash they oh David no no, no, no crash. uh crash with sandra bullock yeah <laughs> crash with sandra bullock oh Got man <laughs> <laughs> um that yeah and you know what um the 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 reason the the not get the not being assholes and wanting to help and also coming up with stuff on the fly is why yeah is why i believe in us yeah yeah i mean like well i hope that was interesting to people things are gonna like things are gonna go wrong but we'll be okay like we have yeah. faith in success. So like, it's yeah. like we, yeah, you're our biggest investment is each other. So yes, things are going to happen. Crazy yeah. stuff's going to happen. And we're just going to be like, okay, what do we do? Solve the problem. Yeah. What's the next thing? We'll, we'll fix, fix it. it. Let's do it. How do we do it? I hope that was interesting to people. If you have questions, we'll do like part two and three episodes if you want. But yeah, if you have questions about movie making, um, let me know. You can email Gabe at you and I, you and me film.com. You can also email the show at gabeisbadwithmoney at gmail.com. Uh, but yeah, and and follow the film on Instagram, you and I, you and me film, uh, and DM me, ask anything. Uh, you can find ways to donate there. You can find, uh, by the, by now you'll hopefully have been able to find uh, the, the film independent page, which we'll link. So literally, I just want to hear anything you guys have to say. I'm I, Like people have written in, and said, look, I don't have any money, but I'm a doctor. If you need any scenes in the film checked for accuracy, like whatever you can offer is is really it make it mean it mm-hmm. makes a big difference and it means a lot to me. So that's all. Bad with Money with Gabe Shane Dunn is a production of Noted Bisexual, produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond M Print Productions, edited by Diane King, post-production sound by Coco Lorenz, and music by Mike Kaplan, Zach Sherwin, and Jack Dolgen, as sung by Sam Barbera. Thank you. Love you. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.